Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sit Rep. I am Marine Corps veteran Paul Corbett. And I'm Army veteran Mike McNamara. Today, we have the honor of being joined by Barbara Salucci from the National Cemeteries Administration, who's going to walk us through memorial benefits. And what are we talking about with memorial benefits? We're talking about burial, uh, the processes that families go through, the type of paperwork that you need, forms you fill out, uh, headstones, markers, all sorts of different things. So if you are looking for anything specific that's not covered in this specific video, be sure to check out the video description below. Or if you're listening to us as a podcast, check out the description on the podcast for links to additional content. Barbara, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, good morning. Thanks. It's nice to be here. I hope the trip in wasn't too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> um, so let's jump right into it. Um, so with regard to burial benefits, mm -hmm. generally speaking, what makes a veteran eligible? So a veteran who's had active duty service other than active duty for training and mm -hmm. has an honorable discharge is most likely qualified to be buried in a national cemetery. Also, retired re retired reservists are also eligible to be buried in a national cemetery. And does that include National Guard? Retired National Guard. National Guard who've been called up for Title X or have an executive order would most likely be qualified. Um, but active duty for training at this time does not qualify a veteran for, uh, veteran for burial benefits. What about family members? So... Um, you know, I'm sure most veterans are going to want their spouse to be interned with them. How does that work? Sure. So the spouse of a veteran is qualified based on the veteran's eligibility benefits. There are instances when an adult dependent child may be qualified to be right. buried with their parents and also minor children are qualified to be buried with their parents. So children under the age of 21 or 23, if they're full-time college students, are eligible to be buried with their parents in a national cemetery. And so the family members would actually, they'll be buried together. I mean, they'll be side by side. They would be buried together, yes. Um, so for a veteran or a qualified family member mm -hmm. um, that wants to utilize this benefit, how do they apply for it? Well, the best resource would be your funeral directors. All the funeral directors are very qualified to process applications through the National Scheduling Office and establish cases for family members of veterans and veterans as well. If you're doing trying to do this on your own, you could call the National Scheduling Office yourself and establish a case. And what they'll do is establish the, ca the cases and transfer them to the cemeteries that you're interested in being having your loved one be buried at. Um, the other thing would be if you needed assistance, you could reach out to your veteran service officer. Most towns have one, and they're very knowledgeable as well. And you could always contact the cemetery directly for more information. Okay, so... All right, you bring up a, an, an interesting point. So I, th I think what's important here is most folks are going to be going through some type of funeral director, mm -hmm. mortuary affairs director, what have you, mm -hmm. uh, across the country. And that's probably the easiest way I know in, in my own personal experience with my father-in-law. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they took care of it. We just said, yeah, he's a World War II veteran. My wife had to produce a copy of his DD-214, and the funeral director took care of everything else uh, and, and made it a very, very simple situation as far as 
getting what we wanted with with military burial right so the key thing is the discharge papers the eligibility the dd-214s or from world <laughs> war ii would be the wdago form but the discharge paper is what the scheduling office uses to determine eligibility for a veteran okay so following along that theme i'm still alive but i don't want to leave it to the 11th hour for my family so to speak so what is pre-need uh, you know is there is there a thing of pre-authorization pre-certification so that when the day does come everything's all ready to go so most honorably discharged veterans who've had who've been enlisted and had active duty service wouldn't need to go through eligibility pre-need um and at the time of need, it happens really quickly. There's no long wait time to be qualified. Pre-need is very helpful for people who are trying to qualify adult-dependent children. There's a process that involves letters from a doctor, statements from a family. So th in that case, pre-need would be helpful for the family to know in advance if their child is eligible to be buried with the parents. The other case would be someone who's a reservist or in the guard who's had some service, maybe active duty for training, maybe has been called up, maybe has Title 10. And those those discharges are are key in sending those up to pre-need. That's the case, that's a scenario where pre-need would be very helpful for those people. Well, I mean, they often have like two, three, four, five different right. DE-214s. Right, right. depending on how many times and they're it, deployed. And it might not be until their very last one that actually says, yes, they have active service or right. something like that. Right. So it's, and there's also um, enlisted following September 7th, 1980, um, veterans have to have completed 24 consecutive months to right. qualify. Prior to that, it was any amount of time. But after um, 1980, after that date, it has to be 24 consecutive months. So I, I guess if I'm understanding you correctly, mm -hmm. if I'm a veteran, active duty veteran, mm -hmm. um, you know, did at least 24 months, have an honorable discharge on my DD-214, mm -hmm. then for myself and just say my spouse, I probably don't need to worry about pre-authorization. You don't really need to worry about pre-authorization. But if I have a dependent handicapped child, as an example, right. that obviously right. we're going to wish to be buried with us, then in that case, it's far easier and more beneficial to do the pre-authorization. Yes, but I don't want to discourage people from doing pre-authorization. If you really want to do it and you you know, you feel like you, you were enlisted and you have all the right documentation and you, you know, it is open to everyone. So I want everyone to feel um, welcome in in applying for that pre-need, although it's probably not um, always necessary. Right. Last question about this mm -hmm. with pre-authorization. Mm -hmm. Can a veteran pre-authorize location at the cemetery? Like, I want to be able to overlook the pond by this big <laughs> oak tree or, you know, whatever. <laughs> is, is that, right. can a veteran pre-authorize where they would like to be buried? Well, not really. Okay. Um, we have 77,000 people buried in, in just Massachusetts National Cemetery. If we were to like take those reservations, we need to hire more staff. This we bury our soldiers side by side with no preference and, you know, there's no officer section. We just treat everyone as equals. Um and so that's how we 
bury our soldiers, and that's standard practice for all national cemeteries. Okay, that's good. Because you know, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. sure people would be like, I'd love to be under that tree right there or something, but that's understood. That's true. So when a veteran passes or the qualified family member of a veteran passes away, times are difficult. Um, I mean, it's nice to hear that funeral directors, for the most part, have got it down, mm -hmm. Pat, but for the most part, what is it that a family uh, or maybe the veteran themselves can expect going through this process? I mean, it sounds like if all I really have to do is provide a DD-214 to the director, funeral director, mm -hmm. um, then they're handing a lot of, they're taking care of a lot of the customer service aspect of it and they're mm -hmm. filing all the stuff that needs to be filed or what have you. Um, but generally speaking, what kind of paperwork does someone need? Um, and what if they don't have it? Right. So the NCA has excellent customer service. If, if someone comes to a funeral director or comes calls the cemetery and does not have the correct paperwork, in addition to the scheduling office, there's a component called eligibility. And it may take a few days longer, but we could send a case up to eligibility from the scheduling office, and they would um, try to get all the documentation to qualify that veteran. They can contact you know, the National Archives, they can contact the branches of service, and they can find documents that perhaps the family has misplaced or the veterans passed and they don't know where he kept the papers or she kept the papers. Um, so there is an eligibility component that will help everyone so there's no one's just left in the lurch we can help everybody out and so it's with each funeral home i'm sure they have their own processes and procedures and everything mm -hmm. else and we can't really speak to those mm -hmm. uh, but as far as uh, national cemeteries go or state cemeteries mm -hmm. generally speaking what what's the process like i mean is is the family coming in and doing all the headstone stuff and every and everything right then and there with you and and you're filing on their behalf or how does that work sure so if you're being buried in a state cemetery a federal veteran cemetery or a tribal cemetery the headstone process will be taken care of for you and in some cemeteries the families may meet with the staff prior to the burial in other cemeteries it's done at the day of the burial um, but all the paperwork will be provided to the family and options for the stone will be explained. And then the stone will be ordered by the cemetery for that family. And um, in the case of a private cemetery, the, um, the funeral director would hel help that family apply for a government marker in a private cemetery. And there's two versions of that. You could apply for a government headstone to be placed in a private cemetery. And you'd want to work with your cemetery um, director at that private cemetery. Or also you could apply for a medallion, which is a smaller um, folded flag br uh, bronze medallion that would adhere to a private marker. So if you have a beautiful headstone, private headstone in a private cemetery, you can have this medallion attached to it. And the cemetery would help you with that as well. So in a private cemetery, you have the option of going with a traditional VA stylized headstone, mm -hmm. or there's options if you want a private headstone mm -hmm. to have other identification type of markers or medallions, whatever, added to 
the plot. That's correct. Yes. So, you know, we talked a little bit just obviously just then about private cemeteries. So what if a national cemetery or even a state veteran cemetery isn't close to where a veteran lives. For instance, I mean, in in New England, there's only one national cemetery, and that's on Cape Cod. If I live in northern Maine, mm-hmm. I mean, pro- I'm probably not going to drive the hundreds of miles. To, no, that's to, a long trip. It, that's a long drive from the old it's like chapel. Hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a long drive. So how does that work then? You know, how how does, and you touched on this a little bit, but you know, how, what can NCA do for veterans at that point that, you know, are, now, are nowhere near a, a veteran cemetery? So it's interesting that you picked Maine because we did open a rural initiative in Machias, Maine. So it's, you know, six hours from Bourne. And the NCA is working on opening these rural initiative cemeteries, which might be a little bit smaller, but are also run by the NCA to service veterans who are in these rural areas. And in most states, there are, you know, beautiful state cemeteries that follow the same kind of eligibility process, same headstone process. There are maybe slight differences. Some state cemeteries have a residency requirement and other state cemeteries may have a small fee to bury a spouse or a dependent, Um, but the veteran burial is always free. Okay. so. That kind of brings us to an interesting point, I think, that we haven't discussed yet, and that is we keep jumping back and forth, federal cemetery, state cemetery. Um, what What's the difference? You, you touched on it a little bit, but is there an advantage to one over the other, or is it just, you know, geographics? Or It really is just preference. It is geographics. Um, you know, the state cemeteries are run by the state government, but it really is... Um, uh, it is a way for veterans who are in states that are, do not have a fed, federal cemetery to be buried with the same kind of reverence that they are buried in a federal cemetery. So so that people understand, um, if you're being buried in a federal NCA-run cemetery, mm-hmm. there is no cost for the veteran, their spouse, and their eligible dependent child Mm -hmm. to be buried at that facility. That's true. We say once you pass that gate coming in, there is nothing, no cost. Okay, that's that's huge when you look at how much it costs to unfortunately bury people these days. Yeah, especially in northern states where it's like, I mean, unfortunately, there's, there's a better time of the year to die because once the ground's frozen, it's like, way more complicated way more expensive i know that sounds really weird and morbid to say but it's it's the truth it's a true thing i know and i can't i can't speak for the foreman but i want you to know that in national cemeteries in the cold weather we do make winter graves so we can bury year round we don't ever close our cemetery so if a death occurs in the dead of winter and there's snow on the ground we have a grave prepared for that veteran and so when someone's being interned at a NCA cemetery, mm-hmm. um, what types of options do they have? I mean, you have burial, you have uh, what else? So we c- take cremations and we take caskets. And we do, for in Massachusetts, we have cremations that can go in ground, a regular earth burial. We also have beautiful columbaria walls that have a vault and want the urns placed inside and then a beautiful granite marker is placed over the front. Some cemeteries have scatter gardens. Some national cemeteries have scatter gardens. Some have ossuaries. 
where um, there's um, one kind of vessel where all of the ashes go in and are co-mingled. We do not have those in Massachusetts, but that is an option in some cemeteries. And we also have memorial walls. So on occasion, someone may donate their body to science or their remains may have been um, unrecoverable. We can make a memorial marker in our cemetery so that there's a place that is, you know, stating their military service, their name, their dates, so they're not forgotten. That's nice. That is nice. So, Barbara, I want to ask, is it true that VA will provide a headstone um, for veterans, and does it matter if they are in a national, state, or private cemetery? Uh, so, yes, the VA will provide a headstone for qualified veterans in a private cemetery as well as all of the national cemeteries and the state cemeteries and tribal cemeteries as well. So, unfortunately, sometimes a headstone needs to be replaced. Mm -hmm. Is that something that VA will help out with? Yes. So, in a state or veteran cemetery, the stone will be replaced by the staff there. You can um, report it to the staff and they'll inspect it and, and order the replacement. In a private cemetery, um, stones may be replaced if they're illegible or damaged, and you can apply for a replacement in a private cemetery for a government-furnished headstone. So that's not, a, not something that you bought from Tom, Dick, or Harry down the street, but something that you actually got through the VA. That's correct. Okay. So if a Tom, Dick, or Harry headstone gets damaged, you're responsible for replacing it with Tom, Dick, and Harry. I'm, I'm being we're yeah. being funny, but no, this know, is it's, yes. you know, I don't want people out there who's, you know, right. had a family headstone for 100 years. And now all of a sudden, well, great, great, great grandpa was a veteran. So let's get the VA to replace it. That That's not the case. You don't replace private headstones. That's okay. correct. So some of us, some of us have seen these as we've walked through uh, cemeteries, usually private cemeteries. Um, but there are markers that are available Um especially for individuals that are in private cemeteries and have their own headstone. Can you explain what the, the markers are and how they can go about getting them? Yes. So you can order a government-furnished headstone for a qualified veteran, um, even if you have a family headstone. So if there's a private headstone marking the grave and you would like to have a marker placed in the ground at that place, you can. Or you could order just simply a medallion, which would be adhered to the private headstone. So I, I would imagine, though, that when it comes to the marker, the additional marker, mm -hmm. um, that's going to be dependent upon cemetery regulations, that private cemetery may not allow that, and then you would have to go the medallion route? So you, you definitely want to work with your cemetery director okay. in a private cemetery and contact them, and they'll tell you, um, what their qualifications are and how they do the installation. So that would all be taken care of by the private cemetery. I just know personally, yeah, that these things are much more complicated than you would think. And it's, and it's all because of being able to cut grass. And so what's allowed, what can be where, um, what flowers, how you, it, it's very interesting, all the different criteria uh, that cemeteries follow in order to make sure they, they maintain the shrine status. Mm -hmm. um, is it possible? So say if I just really want to deck out my own grave or my 
dad's grave or something like that can i get him a headstone and a marker and a medallion well you could get one of um either or you could either have a government government furnished headstone or a medallion but you can't have both okay so what is the national cemetery policy on on adornments so flowers Mm -hmm. mementos um coins different things you know what what's the policy for of a family being able to as he just said deck out (laughs) their their veterans um burial plot it it is a little different in a veteran cemetery state or um, federal we have very strict floral regulations you know most of them are quite large and there's a you know there's a regular schedule of mowing we have to mow the cemetery every week and we have to um, pick up the dead flowers when they die. So there's there's a whole process that we go through. So we are very strict on our floral policy, um, adding any adornments. You know, there's a certain time during the year where you can, you, when you can do holiday decorations, a certain time when you can do Easter decorations. And then when we're not mowing, you can always do artificial flowers and small cone fl- um, flower pots that we provide. So in a private cemetery, I think it would be very different. It would be up to that cemetery but most cemeteries are trying to maintain, you know, a beautiful place for people to visit. So I think pe- we should all keep that in mind when we're thinking of our. Okay, homes. that's yeah, that's a good point because I know different people really want to express, mm-hmm. you know, their love and adoration for their loved one um, in different ways. What about flags? You know, we see all the flags. I mean, I'm, I know there's a Memorial Day program, but what about? you know, having the flag stuck in the ground during the rest of the year or what have you? So in national cemeteries, we allow branch of service flags or small American flags at any time. And we also have the program where twice a year, the flags for vets comes and they do flags on every grave. And we also fly our flags in our avenue of flags. But other than that, um, like unit flags are not allowed and it's the small flag that sits on that goes in the grave so like no irish pride flag or (laughs) (laughs) so basically i can have my you know the army's official flag or the marine corps flag okay and then a small and the american flag Mm -hmm. and then i think once again um if your loved one's in a private cemetery, check with the cemetery director on what's allowed and, and how they want it to be displayed. Correct. So a question I've received a lot, mm-hmm. actually, from different families, and especially um, I used to work for Congress, and I got this call all the time, and that is how does a family um, obtain military honors for their loved one? So the military, the branches of service are required to provide military service for any qualified veterans burial. It's a burial benefit, part of the burial benefit that they are entitled to. So in our case, when a funeral home is setting up the case with the National Scheduling Office and scheduling it with our cemetery, they're also reaching out to the branch of service to request military honors. And they provide them with the discharge. pretty much the same eligibility requirement to have military honors. And if a family's doing that, um, we would help them get in touch with the branch of service. 
The request for military honors comes usually from a funeral director or the family member. It would be the same in a private cemetery as well. The family would reach out to the branch of service, provide the discharge to them and request military honors. A couple of branches have online request forms now, so I think they're kind of moving toward that, makes it a lot easier. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, some cemeteries have in-house honor guards that provide military cemetery military honors to veterans at the time. So, and there's a few, most um, areas have like a VFW will have a honors team. Um, so those, and the legions have, the American Legion has an honor team. So there are other resources to contact for military honors, but the branch of service will come and do military honors for every qualified veteran. And not to, uh, I want to be careful with this question because I don't want to make anybody uh, feel bad, but, um, you know, everybody's service is unique. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the awards and decorations that people receive while they're in the military are unique. Um, do, do the awards, um, decorations or combat service or any of that change the type of ceremony or uh, military honors that someone receives? Well, there's, there's three types of military honors that could happen. You could have, you know, the standard military honors where it's a team of two that come, they render taps and fold the flag and present it on behalf of a grateful nation. Then there's modified um, military honors, which um, may, may be a higher qualification. They may be retire retiree, and that would involve a rifle volley as well. And then there's full honors for someone who is killed in action. And, um, you know, there are certainly other circumstances where that might apply as well. But in most cases, it would be your standard team of two, and on occasion, a modified service, which would include a rifle volley. But yeah. that's where some of those um, groups come in. The right. American Legion, uh, the VFW, they have rifle volley teams. You can request. Um, their presence at your service and I, I think what you said is really important too is once again the funeral directors understand in your particular region mm -hmm. you know yes it goes to the branch of service but you know there aren't active duty installations obviously in every state all over the place so a lot of times you're seeing a funeral honors out of the national guard mm -hmm. or you're right some cemeteries have veterans groups that will come and do it um so i i think it's important that everybody's expectations aren't that you're going to have you know a you know, a full honor guard and dress blues and, you know, with flyovers and, right. and all that kind of Jeez. stuff you kind of see on TV and stuff. That's not the case for, I would say, what, 95, 96% right. of the burials that take place? It's very solemn, you know, and it's, it's very moving to have those two representatives um, rendering honors for someone. And are they normally, uh, is it normal for the individuals um, that are partaking in that to be from the same branch of service as the individual who served, or is it? In our case, yes. We usually, the request usually goes to the branch of service, but we're fortunate we've got them all very close by. Um, and usually the person presenting the flag is of near or the same rank as the person who's passed. 
So another <clears throat> another big issue that we see from time to time, and, and that is the burial flag, the flag that adorns the casket when it comes to the cemetery. Um, are there stipulations for additional flags? So if you have, you know, if the veteran has, you know, two or three children and each wants a flag, are there provisions for that? And also... If I have my father's flag and I move and the flag gets misplaced or whatever, can I get a replacement? That's an interesting question. Um, every veteran is entitled to one burial flag. And the funeral home usually gets that for the family. Um, the family could also, if they're doing their own arrangements, could take the discharge and the death certificate to their local post office and fill out an application, and the post office will provide them with a flag to bring to the cemetery for the service. So uh, family members could buy their own flags, but they would only pr be provided one burial flag. And the official burial flag is the one that covers the casket and gets folded. Correct. I guess my point is, so if... If I come to my dad's funeral and me and my sisters all want, and I show up with five other flags, you're not going to keep putting flags on the casket and folding them. There's one official flag. There's one official flag that the military will fold. And the thing about... Replacement, if I, replacement. If I misplace it or it gets destroyed in a fire or right. something. We have replaced flags for people that have had unfortunate circumstances where they've lost a flag and it's very meaningful to them. So we do, we will on occasion replace a, a lost or... Uh, destroyed flag but it's not standard practice it's not standard it's a case-by-case -case basis case-by-case case. okay well, barbara thank you so much for coming on the sit rep and giving us a ton of information about nca cemeteries private cemeteries state cemeteries everything thank you so much for coming in today well thank you paul and mike for asking me it was really a pleasure to be here and for people that are out there that are looking for additional information uh, i will have uh, some links that you can go to in the video description or in the podcast description below. Uh, be sure to check those out. There are some great PDFs, um, some great booklets, some great guides that VA has come up with. I will take the best ones that are available right now and make sure that they're there for you to be able to download for yourselves and for your family. And for those who have served or are currently serving, thank, thank you, you for, for your, your service. service.